Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 44 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. And my guest today recently had his first official match in Ring of Honor, and I must say the future appears very bright for him. He is the metal maniac, Sledge. Sledge, welcome to the show. What's up, Kevin? It's a metal head maniac, but we're close. We're what there. did I say? Didn't I, you said, that what I you said? said me- no, you said metal maniac. Ah. Okay. You forgot the metal head. Got the metal, metal. head. Yeah, metal head maniac. It's metal head maniac. I can't believe What's I blew up, that line. What's which up, is, uh, I mean, we'll get into this later, but I can myself a Wait. metal head. So. Cut. Take two. Take two. Go. <laughs> All right. No, we, we work without a net here. So, uh, <laughs> All right. Well, let me, let me just say this first. Um, it's great to have you here. I think your story is very inspiring. We'll get to that whole thing today. Uh, you talked about it in, uh, in depth in an article that you wrote for uh, ROHwrestling.com. But before we get to that, I want to ask you a question that I ask a lot of the guests that we have here, which is the bubble experience. You were in the bubble. What, is that, what was that like for you? It was fun. I mean, I try to entertain myself as much as I possibly can in like situations like that where you can't like you can't interact with anybody, you know, you can socially distancing, you know, with six feet apart. But what's so great about Ring of Honor is like their protocols are so just strict just to keep everybody 100 percent safe, which is I truly appreciate. Uh, But yeah, I just try to, you know, being locked in a room, you know, you just try to do the best you can. And I was just making TikTok videos and <laughs> just having as much fun as I possibly could, you know, working out in the room and trying to keep my cardio up as well as my vascularity up. So yeah, man, it was, it, it wasn't a bad experience. I've been in all of them so far. Right. Yeah. Now I, somebody in the bubble had said that someone above them was making a lot of racket. Was, was that the person <laughs> that was, that was below you? it could have been maybe i don't know but uh i was i i'm pretty sure i'm talking i i understand the time that you're talking about and i was doing um high knees as well as uh doing just some stuff to kind of get my heart rate up kind of get my cardio up and i'm not a light guy i'm i'm a i'm bigger human being so when i'm stomping on the floor it could have been me i'm not sure or the place could be haunted if you ask bruiser the place could have been haunted who knows well, that's true. A lot of hotels are. Yes, they are. At least that's what they. That's what I see on the ghost shows. I love those. Do you? I am a huge, like I'm not like okay. I don't want to say like I'm a huge paranormal guy, and I don't 100 percent believe it. But I had Dustin, uh, Dustin uh, Perry, on my show, uh, Coffee with Sledge that I do live on Twitch, and he he kind of convinced me a little bit. He really did, and he wants to bring me out and do something with me. So that would be a lot of uh, that would be a lot of fun. So well, I've talked about it on the show before. I'm a huge Ghost Adventures guy. Do you do you watch Ghost Adventures with Zach Bagans? Uh, Zach Bagans, I don't. 
I don't, but I did when COVID hit in March, we were all in Vegas. Yeah. And one thing that was really cool is the ROH family. I'm still was fairly new to the ROH family invited me out um, to go to the Zach Baggins museum. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. You know, just that camaraderie that ROH is a family. It's a hundred percent a family and to be invited to be part of that family is I, I, I was on cloud nine. I really was, you know, and we had a great time. It's on Mandy's YouTube. Um, if you guys haven't checked it out, Mandy Leon's YouTube, it's, it, it was a great, it was so much fun. Yeah. I'm so jealous that you guys got to go to that because I, like I said, I'm a huge ghost adventures fan. Never missed an episode. I think it's been on for like 10 years or probably more than that at this point. So some that's on my bucket list. Uh, is to get to the Zach Baggins Museum, at some, the Haunted Museum in Vegas at some point. But I'm glad you brought it up, though, that you went on that, uh, that little excursion with the ROH family because that's another thing I've talked about on this show is how the Ring of Honor locker room, and it really, I guess, extends beyond the locker room into just uh, you know office people, production people. It really is a tight-knit group. And I think sometimes people hear that outside of this and, and they're not – like, oh, I hear that from a lot of people about a lot of different companies or shows or whatever it might be, office, oh, they're all like a family. But in Ring of Honor, it really is. And I, and I think that's a cool perspective from your point as being, you know, one of the new guys in the family and they welcomed you in with open arms. They did. And that was just one of those things. Is I, 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 I can't be happier. I really can't from a guy who really came from absolutely nothing to where I am now being, you know, part of the ring of honor roster and them inviting me in. And I knew a couple of the guys too, which was great. Uh, that really helped me, you know, kind of get my footing in ring of honor, which I still am, you yeah. know? So. Well, I want to talk to you about your, uh, your match, uh, your first official match. Uh, it was on uh, week by week last yeah. week. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, it was, a, it was a long time coming for you. So can you just describe what it was like to be in an ROH ring in a match that was widely viewed? Uh, it, it was against O'Shea Edwards. We should mention that. Uh, just what, what was it? What was it like? Because I mean, you've been in this business for nearly a decade. So yeah. I know it was a long, hard journey for you to get to that point. It wasn't my first time being underneath the big lights, I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, because I've done, you know, pay-per-view with, you know, Impact Pro Wrestling and I've done like little things here and there, you know, with like WWE and so on and so forth. But being underneath those lights and in that arena and being just trying to suck in the moment, but you really can't because you're staring across the ring from O'Shea Edwards, who is a powerhouse. And knowing that I have to be on top of my game going against a guy like that. So I really couldn't really suck in the moment too much knowing that I had to go in there and put in work. Well, for sure. I mean, if, if people haven't viewed that match yet, uh, it is up on our YouTube channel. It's on ROH week by week. Uh, it debuted last, uh, it debuted on February 9th. So that was last week. Um, and you mentioned, yeah, being in there with O'Shea, like you, two big dudes, two hard hitting guys. Uh, what were your thoughts just on the match itself? And I know everybody is their own worst critic, but uh, how did you feel about it? Did you feel good about it? 
Uh, no, because he was still standing. <laughs> well, I think that's uh, – I think you could hear O'Shea at the end uh, saying something like – I'm paraphrasing, but basically this is not the last time I think that, uh, that you two guys are going to meet. It was inconclusive. Again, people who haven't seen it, it was a 10-minute draw. Uh, I get the feeling you guys are going to do this again. And when we do, I look forward to putting him on his ass. <laughs> I assume he would probably say the same. He'd probably say the same thing about me. Because we both walked away sore, bruised, beat up. We both, you know, in his words, I was going to feel him. And I felt him. And I know that he felt me. Was it weird being out there? You talked about, you know, being under the bright lights. And, uh, yeah, you've had some... Uh, chances at that before with WWE, with Impact, but this really the first time um, as as sort of a featured uh, performer where, I mean, you got to sit down and do the sit-down interview, as did O'Shea, which again, I, and I, I've been very complimentary of, uh, of the ROH creative people and the production people behind the scenes. Amazing. Even if you had never heard of Sledge or O'Shea Edwards, you watch those sit-down interviews and all of a sudden you care about what happens in this match. So I thought that was great. I thought both you guys killed it just in telling your stories before the match. I appreciate it. Um, Thank you. Going out there with no fans, what was that? Was that weird? Like, here's this big moment. I want to, I want to take it all in and, you know, like get the adrenaline of, of playing off the people and there's no people. It wasn't necessarily weird because I was focused on the job at hand. Yeah. And that was to fight O'Shea Edwards and make a statement against O'Shea Edwards, letting, him, letting Ring of Honor know, let the audience know at home that is watching that I am here at Ring of Honor and I'm no one, no one to mess with. And I will punch you square in the mouth if I need to. And that's exactly what I did. Again, knowing again how um, you know hard the journey was for you to get here, and like I said, right. we will get into the specifics of that. Was it emotional? Like right before you're about to go out, you hear Bobby Cruz announce your name. What's going through your head at that point? Um, emotions are, uh, uh, yeah, definitely. I felt a lot of emotions. I always do a prayer before I walk out. Um, always, you know, thinking my, you know, thinking my dad you know, and uh, making sure that I'm safe and making sure that, you know, I go out there and perform my best. And um, that kind of sets, you know, that kind of turns sledge on that, uh, you know, that turns that, that, that light switch, that switch, boom. Right after I say that prayer, I let a big old like yell, like a roar. You could hear it down the hallway. You really can. And um, then it's, you know, I'm just in that. You ever seen like uh, biker boys? You know, when the guy's flying down to, you know, the guy's flying down, you know, 150 miles an hour, and he's just zoned in on what he needs to do, and nothing else really matters. That's exactly the way I am. The minute I, after I'm done saying that prayer, is I'm just focused and I'm just ready to just, just to rock and roll. Honestly, you and O'Shea, I think you um, you alluded to it. I think you both alluded to it in those sit downs. You guys aren't strangers to each other. I mean, you guys are working out in the dojo together. So I imagine there's some camaraderie, but also some competition. It definitely camaraderie. I mean, O'Shea Edwards has been through a lot. Yep. You know, uh, the guy is, has worked his, his, his ass off 
to get to where he is as well as I have. So yes, we have that camaraderie of both of us working our asses off to get there and pushing one of another, but we took it as, all right, it's me versus you. Let's go out there and let's just see who the better, better man is. And unfortunately on, on, uh, last week, um, we were both still standing. So that just, you know, now we get to do it again. If that's, the way it goes. Well, I tell you, as a fan, right, I think uh, it's a match I would want to see again. So I think you guys succeeded. Always leave them wanting more. And I think that match ended with everyone who watched it wanting more. So, uh, like I said, I, I have a feeling that match is going to happen again. And, uh, man, you guys are just getting started. You know, uh, you and O'Shea, it's, uh, that, that was just the beginning, I think, for you guys in Ring of Honor. So um, I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very, it's going to be fun watching where you guys go from here. And, and when you look at this roster, yeah. um, there's so much talent from top to bottom. When you're, when you're sort of just not, again, not that you or O'Shea are just, this isn't your first rodeo. You guys have been around the business for a while, but right. you see that so much talent. Um, is that almost daunting in a way that there's so much talent surrounding you or is it the opposite? Does it make you excited? It's exciting. All these people I'm going to get to work with that are so good. Oh, it's so exciting for me. Like the talent in ring of honor. I keep saying it, uh, you know, on all of my social medias is ring of honor has the best talent out there right now. Everybody. And I mean, everybody is hungry right now and that excites me because i'm a hungry individual i am a goal-driven individual and when other people have goals as well that just drives you to be better 100 percent. And, and i'm going to give credit to uh to the people behind the scenes again um to our booker who i know probably doesn't like to get a lot of credit or get his name mentioned but man right now not only do we have all this talent uh quantity and quality but he's done such a great job, especially since the reboot of making fans care about literally everyone on the roster who's available. Obviously some of our roster members are stuck overseas and, and haven't been able to perform in a while, but everyone who's on TV, everyone who's in a match, whether it's on week by week or a YouTube exclusive, you are given a reason to care about every single guy and girl on this roster, which is, you know, I think there, there was a saying in this business that like, you know, if everybody's over, nobody's over. And I just, I don't agree with that at all because I think everybody is getting over to some degree, whatever your definition of over is. I think some, to me, it's just, do you care about the people that are in the ring? And I think we're, we're being given reasons to care about everybody because we're hearing their stories. That's why these sit down interviews I think are so important. I, I, I agree. a hundred with you, a hundred with you. Um, and watching, you know, the watch-alongs, you know, on Monday at 4 p.m., you know, Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you know, on the Fight TV app, join us on, on, you know, on the conversation on Twitter. We all are on there and we're all glued to that TV. We're all watching and seeing, you know, the sit-down interviews because some of, especially a guy like me who's fairly new to the roster, no one knows my story. Yes, they've read it somewhat online but they haven't really actually seen or heard it from my mouth right so if i can get them sucked in and them tweeting about it and then the, everybody else yeah i mean that just that just creates an environment of just a great product 
and the way it's produced, the way it's shot, the way everything that Ring of Honor is doing right now is top-notch. The best wrestling out there, uh, bar none. You know, starting with the peer tournament to where we are now, it's just been absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. And I think what's great, too, you know, you mentioned the pure tournament. And I think the, re- the, the really cool thing about Ring of Honor, and look, I'm sh- other companies as well. It's not like Ring of Honor is the only company that, I, you know, is worth watching. Um, it's the only one I watch, just as an aside, but that's just my own personal. Honestly, it's the only one I watch, too, <laughs> besides New Japan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of it yeah. is just like I fell out of love with some of the other companies. And, and as you get older, time becomes more precious. And it's not like I can necessarily devote – three hours uh on a monday night or or whatever night you know wrestling it's hokey isn't it i think so yeah what's good about ring of honor is it's just smash mouth wrestling like back to the basics of wrestling and that's what i love about it there's no question about it uh the point i was going to get to though was it's it's um the pure, the pure wrestling style has really been at the forefront since the reboot, since we came back from our hiatus. But we've got all different kind, you know, talent comes in all shapes and sizes. And I think we've got that, whether it's the pure style, whether it's, you know, the hard hitting guys, and you're part of that. Like we saw a match between, you know, two guys that are about what, 6'4, 250? Yeah, um, give or take. Give or Pen take. And they're banging heads with each other. And, um, you know, but I think the, the, the one thing that ties everyone together is everyone knows how to work and put on a good match. And it doesn't matter whether you're Jonathan Gresham's size or you're doing the pure style, or we see guys like you and O'Shea Edwards in there that everybody can work. And we, but we see all different kinds of styles, you know, like you guys wrestle a power style. So they're really, to me, there's something for everybody. And I know people love the pure wrestling, but it may not be everyone's cup of tea. And if it's not, they're certainly there. There's certainly other things, you know, no matter what your taste may be. But I would say the only thing you're not going to see is anything overly uh, silly. And I know some people say, well, what, you know, what about Danhausen? Go and watch a Danhausen match. Watch his match with Brian Johnson. Danhausen boy can, can work. work. The boy can work too. So, yeah. All right. You know, yeah, he does. He does. Sorry. I, I don't mean to cut you yeah, off. I apologize. He says that, you know, he does couple hokey things dan housen does but down to the bare bones dan housen can work there's no he can question. work housing yeah <laughs> exactly exactly and everything that he does you know you got to have a little and i mean if people want to say oh that's too hokey or whatever like there's always been comedy and wrestling going back to the early days i mean i you know i go back to i go back a long way i'm kind of old so like i remember when you know there was always lighthearted moments uh in pro wrestling so it's not like that's anything new well one uh, of my favorite things to do on sundays is watch like uh, i think it's called uh wrestling botches on instagram yeah. and they have super sell sunday and these guys are just selling their butts off like they did stone cold yesterday and people taking the stunner and just imagine the rock the way that he took that i mean he oversold it like you know bouncing out of the ring and triple h bouncing out of the ring you know it's you know, hokiness, you know, there's a certain place for hokiness. Exactly. But when you can come down to working as well, I mean, that's a two peas in a pod. It really is. Yeah, and I think, you know, not to stay on Danhausen too long here, but I thought the match he did with Brian Johnson was just really, really well done. I mean, because you got Danhausen, who's kind of does the little bit of the ha-ha stuff, and obviously he's an over-the-top character, 
who can still work, as we said. But then you got Brian, who's like literally a 100% serious wrestler. And, um, but it worked. I think you put it to the two of them in there with such different styles, but it worked. I think it was entertaining. And it, nothing about it looked to me contrived or, or silly. Again, great booking. Yep. There's no Again, question. Again, gr- great booking by the booker. And Brian Johnson is so underrated. I know that you guys had heat on the podcast. I know you yeah. guys did. Yeah. Okay. I know that, you know, there were some things said and there were some words exchanged, but Brian Johnson is so underrated. If you literally watch his sit down interviews and the passion that he speaks about this business, you know that he's in it to win it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I try to put, uh, you know, personal feelings aside. Uh, yeah, I'm not a, am I a big fan of Brian Johnson, the person? No, I can't, I don't, in fact, I don't know one person who is. Uh, the next person I meet who says they like Brian Johnson be, you know, be the first. But as a talent, and I've to, I told him that as well on the podcast before, you know, things got out of hand. Right. Uh, that he is a great talent. You know, I think he's his own worst enemy. I think he, uh, he complains too much, and I think that takes away from, his, from uh, the perception of him as a talent. But no question. There's a match I'd like to see one day, Brian Johnson and Sledge. You never know. It could happen down the road, man. I'd like to see that one. I, I, I know him very well, another guy from the dojo. I know him extremely well. Well, I'll plant that seed. Hopefully, uh, if the if the Booker's listening, uh, and if not, I'll make sure he hears. Um, make sure you that. send an email. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I hear you. All right. Well, I want to sidetrack just a little bit because we got a lot to talk about with your wrestling career for sure, and your and your uh, your story, your journey. But I know that you are the metal head maniac. I got it right that time. You got metal it right, buddy. Maniac. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a metalhead myself, so I've been looking forward to talking to you about, about metal music. Um, when did you first get into it? My sister uh, got me into it, actually, back when I was, uh, I think it was right after my dad passed. Uh, she was, uh, she, I was actually into rap music, go figure. Like, I was into, you know, Tupac and, and Ice Cube and, you know, Snoop Dogg and, nwa and all that gangster stuff you know and you know i'm from i'm from california you know you know i'm so so cowboy um and i'm walking by her room one day and she's she's just yeah i just hear this just crazy just just i i don't know i couldn't really describe it out of her room because she just blared and i'm like what is that noise and i pop in and she's just slamming her head she's just going and i'm just like what is this and I'm like, what is that? And she's like, she like hands me the CD. And it's like anthrax, you know, stop four, four, two, you know? And I'm like, Oh, and I just got in, I just got into playing drums and I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm into this. And then next thing you know, I started stealing all of her CDs and started getting into like Metallica and you know, the metal just kind of grew from there, you know? And she's got like Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Hendrix isn't really metal, but he's still very rock and roll. Um, you know, Metallica, Slayer, you know, the list could go on and on. Everybody asks me, you know, hey, give me your top five favorite bands. And I can never do it because I just have so many. Well, I was going to ask you what was the first album or CD that you bought, but basically you just kind of uh, took them from your sister, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. And then I remember getting Metallica Load, 
was okay. my first kind of introduction to Metallica. And then I started kind of doing a deep dive on Metallica and realizing that, hey, they've been around since like 79, yeah. you know, going into the 80s, you know, and then, you know, started loving the, like, the Black Album and, you know, uh, Ride the Lightning and then kind of just kind of going from there. And then, you know, they're all, you know, California boys, yep. you know, all from San Francisco. And just one concert that I've never seen. You know, I love one thing I did love, Kevin, man, is when they uh, they uh, did the, um, the collaboration with the San Francisco Infants. Symphony? Uh, Symphony, thank you. Yeah. Uh, the, the S&M album, so good. So good. Because I love that classical music style put in with that heavy metal style. I love that. Yeah, that really worked. Uh, one of my favorite bands is Kiss, and they did uh, a symphony thing too. And I, I love, you know, Kiss is my favorite band of all time, Kiss and Rush. Uh, but I got to say, I think it worked better with Metallica's music than it did with Kiss's music, for sure. Um, you know, R.I.P. Neil Peart, man. Neil Peart uh, was one of the, you know, greatest drummer of all time. Best, one, of you, best, one of the best drummers of all time, yes. One of the best. Who do you think's the best? Ooh, that's a loaded question because I'm a drummer. So uh, <laughs> well, I do, I do, I, no, I do love, I do love Neil Peart. Uh, okay. And my my favorite drummer uh, got a lot of his chops from Neil Peart. So I can't really like, you know, and and Bonham. Uh, it's uh, uh, Mike Portnoy from you know he used to play in Dream Theater. Um, now he has his own stuff. He was the uh, the one. The Rev died from the Veg Sevenfold on the Nightmare album. He played the drums on the Nightmare album. Okay. Yeah. Neil Peart is amazing. I mean, uh, sorry, Mike Portnoy is, is amazing. Well, and, and obviously Neil too. Man, I, I've seen Rush. Neil too, yes. I, I've seen Rush in concert. I, I'm going to estimate 25 times. So, Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, like a, dude, I'm old too. Like, first time I saw him was um, right before Moving Pictures came out. It was actually on the Permanent Waves tour tail end of it um so yeah i go i go and I, well, I was a young kid you know don't get me wrong i, I was i was you know I'm, i wasn't in diapers but i was young uh so yeah and, and neil pert i've always said you know a lot of times and i don't i mean no offense to you since you are a drummer but there's huh. certain bands it gets to the drum solo and you're like all right uh i can go take a quick bathroom break uh but with neil, with neil pert like that was one of the highlights of the show was neil's drum solo yeah guys like that you know tommy lee yeah yeah you know that it, it's there and um it, it's a show it's not just a guy that's why that's why i love like i want to say theoretical drummers is the best way a theoretical word theatrical theatrical thank you theatrical drummers is uh, guys like shannon larkin from godsmack guys that will sit back there and just slam but they're entertaining you as well yeah, no question about that, yeah. those guys. Do you remember the very first concert that you went to? Oh, boy. I've been to so many concerts, <laughs> Kevin. What was my first concert? Oh, you know what? It was at a place called The Living Room in Goleta, California. And it was a band called Zayo. Not familiar and, with them. Yeah, Zayo is a metal band. And I think they were a Christian metal band, actually. Okay. And um, I don't think they're together. And the living room was so cool, man. It was, it literally was a living room. <laughs> you know, uh, the stage was maybe two feet off the ground, if that, yeah. you know, and I was, that was my first stage dive. That was my first 
every, and there was no rules, no rules at all. It was just mosh, go nuts, have fun, but just kind of, you know, the, the rule of the pit, a guy gets knocked down, you pick him back up and you kind of keep going, you know, and it was that. And I've been to a Warp tour a bunch of times, but yeah, I want to say it was Zayo at the living room in Galita. And I don't think the living room is a bit, is there anymore. See, I'm a lot smaller guy than you. I go like 5'10", around 200 pounds, you know, uh, back in my younger days, even, you know, skinnier, skinnier than that. So like the mosh pit thing wasn't like big when I was growing up, but by the time, like I still kept, you know, I still, well, I used to go to shows back when there were shows, but I still kept going to shows, you know, in my older years and man, the mosh pits, they scared me. Like I've been to Marilyn Manson shows and uh, the Ramones. I saw the Ramones back in the day. And I see guys your size in the mosh pit. I want no part of it. So, like, I, I stay away from that. Can I tell you a story? Sure. All right. I was in a, uh, I was in a mosh pit in Slayer. Um, it was the um, – what was it called? The Jägermeister Tour, I think, something like that, if I remember correctly. It was, like, Slayer, Hatebreed, and a bunch of people. It was back in the, two, you know, the early 2000s. And this guy was walking around the mosh pit, headbutting people. <laughs> and one of the guys got headbutted and got pissed. And when the guy came back around to headbutt him, he moved and threw his knee up Ooh. and smashed the guy's face in. And it was like, it was pretty intense. Um, he gave he him watched, like, a, he gave him the GTS. He gave him the GTS, man, before I knew what the GTS was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The mosh pits always, I was like, you know, I'm a little too old for this crap. And even if I was younger, I think I, I just wouldn't be big enough or bad enough for all that. But, uh, but let me ask you, I have, about, I, have I, I don't mean, I yeah. have seen, I have seen kiss in concert though. I okay. have. And it was one of the best shows. Now, did you see the reu- the reunited kiss or like, what did, what did you, what era are we talking about? It was, uh, they didn't have ACE. Okay. Uh, yeah, they didn't have Ace. It was just Paul, Gene, um, Chris, and I don't remember who the guitar player is. Uh, yeah, but they had the makeup on, right? Yeah, they had. Yes, they had. Okay, all yeah. The so yeah, Peter yeah, Chris yeah, on. Yeah. It was probably Tommy Thayer on guitar. Tommy Thayer. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I've seen every version of Kiss. This will awesome. this will blow your mind. The first concert I ever went to was Kiss, and it was 1977. When Kiss, I know this is way before you were born. This was when Kiss was literally the biggest band in the country, and you know, very big all over the world. But like, my mom took me, and and like one of my friends from school took me to the show. And uh, man, I mean, blew my mind. Like, if you ever seen the Kiss Alive Two album, and you open it up inside, like, there's a very famous like double fold there. Yep. I mean, that's what I saw. So like. I mean, to this day, I have so very vivid memories of that night. Detroit Rock City is like one of my favorite movies. Yes. Yeah. Very <laughs> under, I mean, I think you have to be a Kiss fan to like it. If you're yeah. not, you probably wouldn't like it. But yeah, for a Kiss or, fan, that's four Jewish guys, you know, <laughs> hit, hit, hit their face by makeup and right. just rock the world, man. What what better of a story is that? So let me ask you before we move on again. To, I could sit here and probably talk about music with oh, you. We all day. The entire podcast of that. But there's obviously, there's very, there, there's several different, like with any music, there's, there's different uh, subsections of the genre. You got classic metal, British metal, pop metal, death metal, speed metal, rap metal. 
Um, do you like all of it? Do you prefer one over the other? Like, where do you stand on all, you know, you had the hair bands of the eighties and the poisons and the warrants. Like, where do you, where do you stand on, on, on all of this? It really depends on what mood I'm in. Okay. That's, it's a hundred percent honest answer. It could be anywhere from I'm listening to Slayer. Next thing you know, I'm listening to like Apocalyptica to, uh, you know, Metallica, or if I'm, you know, Gideon's a really, you know, good band that I really love to see. Um, I got to see Gideon, um, in Baltimore when I was living in Baltimore for a short time, which was awesome. They played with Devil Wears Prada. Um, that was fantastic. Um, but yeah, man, it just really honestly just depends on what mood I'm in. I love Steel Panther. I love, you know, Poison, Molly Crew. Skid Row is one of my favorite all-time bands okay. of, of all, you know. Um, yeah, it really honestly just depends on what mood I'm in, man. I seriously could talk music all day. I'm, <laughs> I really, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear you put Poison in there because, you know, sometimes some of my metal uh, friends back in the day, you know, because I really liked, uh, I got into Poison and Warrant, Def Leppard mm -hmm. and all those, you know. Uh, hit the hair bands, Twisted Sister. And I think especially with a band like Poison or Warrant, like I got made fun of a little bit. Like they're not real metal. But hey, I mean, it's all, to me, it's all good music. Ricky Rocket, one of my favorite drummers. There you go. Yeah. Brett Michaels, great front man. Yeah. And I will go, I, I will say this, Warrant is one of the most underrated bands. I don't know I how saw, you feel about them, but very I underrated saw, band. I've seen yeah, Warrant. I've, I've seen them a bunch of times. Janie yeah. Lane, great front man. Yeah, White Snake. Yep. You know, man, I, I just, again, just loving, loving 80s hair metal. Um, Rat, love Rat. Yeah. You know, um, what else we got? Uh, uh, Anvil. Anvil's great. You know, um, I mean, I, back in the day, I saw Ozzy, I saw Maiden, I saw uh, Black Sabbath with Ronnie James Dio. Uh, man, I saw. See, I think that was the best Sabbath, though, with Dio. I'm really? not a I'm not a huge Aussie fan. Ooh. There's just something about it. I know, I know, I, I, I know, I, I know. You almost hit exit on the on the podcast. I'm sorry, <laughs> but there's just something about Aussie man. I just never got into. Wow. I, I just never did, and it was just, maybe it's just voice or something. I'm just not. I don't know. I'm just not a huge Aussie fan. But Dio, yeah, man, sign me up with Dio, and Ronnie James was just you know. Hats off to him. Oh, I mean, I think if we're talking just strictly from a singer standpoint, you got to go with Dio just as far as the, the, the voice. That's but what catches Ozzy, Ozzy just had something, you know. Ozzy had that intangible. That have, you seen, have you seen The Dirt on, on Netflix? Uh, not, it's, it's on my list. Of, I, I'm embarrassed that I haven't, but it's on my list. At some point, yes, I will see it. Watch it and then uh, shoot me a message and let me know what you think. Okay. It's amazing. Well, let me ask you this about, about let, let, let be the last question, I guess, about music for now is just, okay. um, I know that you were playing drums and you were in bands. Did yep. you, were you doing original music or were you doing covers or like, how far did you, did you take the band thing? Like, were, was this like, did you try to get signed or like how, how far was the, uh, the music thing for you? We were a touring band. Yeah. Okay. And we toured and we did originals. We played the Sunset Strip number amount of times. We had a short deal with Jägermeister. Yeah, man, we uh we went full steam with it. What was your band's name, or did you have more uh, than one? Uh, I had one. I played in one band called Society's Child, which we were kind of like a butt rock band. Um, but they saw, you know, they 
they exited me out of the band because I was dealing with, you know, uh, alcohol problems and some personal problems. Um, and then a band called Motive, who had the, the deal with the Jägermeister, picked me up. And um, we, I think it's on YouTube. You'd have to look up Motive Whiskey Go-Go. And I'm behind there playing drums. So, all right. We had like a Godsmack, Rage Against the Machine-ish kind of vibe to it. I could see that. All right. Well, cool, man. Like I said, we, we, could, t- we could sit here and do a whole podcast, I think, on, on music. But we must take our first break. And then when we come back, this is a wrestling podcast. So we're going to talk all about wrestling and, uh, and a lot more. We're going to talk about your story and how it uh, obviously that intercedes with, uh, with wrestling. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with more Sledge. Hi guys, Session Up Martina here, here to tell you about Ring of Honor's brand new merchandising store, shophonor.com. You can go there and you can get really cool jumpers like the one I'm wearing now, or you could go and get all Session Up Martina's merchandise and help me afford cans. Check it out now. Hey Honor Nation! Check out the new and improved Ring of Honor shop at shophonor.com. Shophonor.com turns ordinary online shopping into a truly immersive experience. Our new mobile-friendly design is enhanced for better navigation and search. The recommended for you feature will showcase products based on your unique preferences, or find exactly what you want as you filter any category by your favorite wrestler, size, or color. Go to shophonor.com now. We're back on the RH Strong podcast. My guest is the metalhead maniac, Sledge. Uh, I want to talk to you, as I said before the break, I want to talk about um, pro wrestling, obviously. Uh, your fascination with it began as a, as a very young child. Is that, is that correct? Correct, yeah. Your earliest memories, like what, what do you remember? I think we all have these stories as fans, like the first time we remember seeing it. or like, What are your earliest, very earliest memories of pro wrestling? SummerSlam 91, Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect Intercontinental Championship. That's a great one. That's what hooked me, man. I was sitting there watching it uh, with my dad, and that hooked me. I'm like, what is this? And then you see, you know, uh, guys like, you know, Legion of Doom and, and uh, uh, oh, man, I'm, my mind is blanking right now on um, – demolition demolition yeah yes thank you guys like that you know and i was a huge ultimate warrior fan i had the ultimate warrior wrestling buddy you know uh just larger than life characters that really like just drew you into your product you know i wasn't a big hogan guy i didn't like worry about you know drinking my milk eating my vitamins i was more of uh you know more of the i guess that would be like the more of the metal side of wrestling would be like warrior Legion of Doom, Demolition, you know, guys like that. No question about it. Yeah, I definitely see more of a metal uh, edge there with those guys. Ultimate Warrior, especially. But, yeah, all of those guys. Road Warriors, everybody you mentioned. Yeah, Hogan was more of the, you know, he's the guy strumming the bass guitar to, like, a Rick Derringer song or something like that, right? He's he's not your metal guy. Yeah, he's not your metal guy. I, I read in the story uh, that you wrote, as, as I alluded to earlier, the, the piece that you wrote, your life story, basically, for RHWrestling.com, that you and your father really bonded uh, over professional wrestling. But then a big turning point in your life was you lost your dad when you were 11 years old. 
uh, just tell me about that, like at that point in your life, what, what went on after that, as far as, uh, you know, where things headed for you? Down a very, very dark road, man, um, that I could never really seem to get my head out of. Honestly, uh, my dad was my everything. My dad was my best friend. He was my, he was my savior. He was, when I was having a bad day, man, he always picked me up and dusted me off. I wasn't a popular kid in the school. Hell, to this day, I'm probably not the most popular guy in the world, but that's okay. You know, he would just dust me off and just let me, let me know that everything was going to be okay. And when you don't have that support system like that, and you're going into being a young adult, the only thing you can do is lash out, honestly. You've been very open uh, about, you know, you got into drinking at an early age. How old were you when, when you really started drinking? 13, like okay. pretty much like right after he passed. Um, I started drinking with his brother. So your uncle. Yeah. And I have a vivid memory of him. My first time getting, getting drunk with him. And I was maybe five something at the time. And uh, he was a big human being. He was about six, three, six, four. And we both were drinking. And, and next thing I know, I wake up to him pounding me on the floor, like literally smashing my face in. Ooh. Yeah. Well, and I know that you also talked about your, your relationship with your mom at that point kind of deteriorated as well, right? So you lost your dad, your relationship with your mom is deteriorating. Um, obviously, things are not great with the, this uncle uh, of yours. So where do you go from there? Uh, into trouble. A lot of trouble. I started playing sport like my dad's best friend who knew me since I was two and they, they worked together. Uh, my dad was a correctional officer. Um, so they were correctional officers together. They were on the special, the sort team, I guess would be the best way, the special ops, you know, unit. Um, and he always, you know, when my dad passed, you know, he told, you know, my biological mother that he would watch out for us, me and my sister. And he did everything he could to try to put me on the straight path. He really did. And I still have, you know, I still have uh, contact with him today, you know, and he's very, very happy where I am, but it was a very hard and bumpy road to get where I am today. Um, but yeah, I remember wrestling. He put me in wrestling. He put me in karate. He put me in, you know, football. He did everything he could to try to get me on the straight and narrow path. And I, I just, I wasn't having a lot of it. Now you had always dreamed, I guess, of um, when you were very young, you thought about wanting to be a pro wrestler, which Hey, I think every wrestling fan, when they're a kid, is like, wow, I'd love to do this. But you, at some point, you start taking it seriously, and you actually embark on uh, wanting to be a professional wrestler. How did you first get on that path? It was after I got um, – my sister bust me up from Oxnard, California, to San Francisco. I remember um, – because I was homeless – I remember – watching beyond the mat when i was a kid and i knew that apw hayward was in the bay area somewhere so i typed in you know apw uh 
all pro wrestling and it brought me to a website and they, uh, they had me fill out this questionnaire. And one of the questions at the time, because I was, you know, I was in fairly decent shape, you know, not where I am now, but you know, I was in fairly different shape and I had a shaved head and the little gimmick down the middle. And I've been compared to Batista. I don't know how many freaking times. <laughs> um, they said, what wrestler do you think you look like? And I said, Batista. And like within 10 minutes of me sending that, I had a phone call from all pro wrestling asking me to come down and to, um, to interview. And the, at the time I was dating a girl who I met uh, from my job that I had up there in San Francisco. And I told her what I wanted to do. And she literally laughed in my face laughed at me and said you never make any money at that you need to get a real job dude like come on and um sooner or later i just let the dream die i didn't go to that interview and again uh, i moved with her down to where i currently live now in san luis obispo california and um the door opened again i threw a show for this local wrestling company uh, because i was doing uh promotions at a nightclub and I said, hey, if you, if I throw the show for you, you guys give me wrestling training. And they said, yeah. And that's kind of how the door opens twice, man. You kind of got to go through it and see what happens. And here I am. When you talk about being homeless, I mean, we're, like, just tell me more about that. Were you literally living on the streets or did you find yourself just sort of like with no place to go? And then, you know, like, tell me about that. Uh, I, I literally was homeless. I had a trash bag, you know, the, the old Eminem song trash bag full of clothes. That's literally what I had. And I was uh, sleeping at a bus stop and showering at a 24 hour fitness. Cause I do a buddy of mine worked there and I called. Um, I remember it so well, Kevin, it's, it's ridiculous, man. Um, I called my biological mother and this was right after I got, you know, I was incarcerated when I was 18. And I got out um, and I became homeless afterwards. And I called my biological mother while I was living on the streets for help. And I said, hey, I'm going to die out here if I don't get some kind of help. Can you help me? And she said, there's nothing I can do. And she, and she hung up the phone on me. Wow. I will never, ever, Kevin, remember. I will never, ever forget that day. Ever. And... Um, I called my sister collect pretty much right after. And she's the one who literally got me off the streets. Wow. Yeah. Were you, uh, and I know we're getting very personal here with, no, you're fine. Go ahead. Were you ever able to reconnect? I mean, that's with, with your mother. I mean, that's just a devastating thing to hear from your mother, but were you ever able to, get past that or, or, and have any kind of a relationship or no? Uh, a few of my girlfriends, um, tried to open up that door, um, to, so I can try to, you know, reconnect and we, we have reconnected, um, over the years, but it, we don't have a relationship, Kevin, if that's what you're, what you're asking. We don't, um, I don't even think she knows what I do for a living, honestly. Yeah, to, you know, um, last time I had a phone conversation with her, I was leaving to England. Uh, it was the day before I was leaving for a tour in England, 
And um, I just found out her second husband passed away. And I called my aunt, who is her sister, just to kind of, hey, I heard, you know, I'm getting ready to leave for tour, you know, send my condolences. And she goes, well, she's right here. And she handed her the phone. And I talked to her very briefly. It was very like, hey, I'm sorry to hear this, you know, just kind of very small talk. Yeah. Um, and then she asked me about a year or so ago via text, Hey, what's your, and this is really bad, Kevin. Um, Hey, what's your birthday Ooh. and your, and your social security number? Um, I want to put you in my will. And I politely wrote back. I said, um, no offense, but if you don't know my birthday, then there's a problem because you're the one who gave birth to me. And on top of that, I don't need anything from you. So please do me a favor. Just keep me out of your will. I'm doing just fine on my own. That's some heavy stuff, man. That, that, that really is. Um, and I yeah. can understand, I think we, <clears throat> sorry. Maybe, no, I, I get it. Um, maybe not quite to that degree, but I think a lot of us have family issues. I know, um, I don't have it with my parents, but certainly uh, with, with other family men, I think we all have these things and it's, it's heartbreaking that we, um, that these things, you know, sort of these bonds that should be forever um, get severed, you know? Well, it's and one of those things where you you know, everybody says family's everything, right? Yeah. Everybody says, you know, family is the most important thing. Yeah. But when your family's not there for you, then what? Right. Well, from reading your story, I know that luckily you did have a good friend who was there for you. Talk to me about the conversation you had with a friend on the phone in uh, 2014. Um, this is where I think you pretty much said you had hit bottom. Uh, just to, I was ready to end it. Yeah. Take us back to that moment and that phone call and, uh, and where you were at at that point. Uh, I was sitting in my living room. Uh, I had a uh, I had a beer in my hand, and a uh, not too far away from me, a, a, a something that could have ended me very quickly. Um, and my I did something extremely stupid, and it's very public knowledge of what I did. Um, I was on a very very bad path. I was I was an alcoholic and I was a drug addict. And I got into a match and it wasn't, um, let's just say I was very intoxicated and I should never have walked out of that curtain. I really don't remember it. Um, so a lot of people blacklisted me would be the best way to put it. It's like, nope, you got problems. We're not touching you. Like we're, nope, I lost a lot of bookings because of it. Um, and at that time, when no one's returning your text messages, man, and no one really wants to talk to you, that's a very lonely time, man. That really is. And I have this, we have the same tattoo on our chest that the, the, the tattoo on my chest, my best friend has as well. And he finally, you know, he called me and he goes, Hey man, like you are down a bad road right now, but, and I don't want to see my best friend die you need to get some help 
because I'm afraid you're not going to be here the next time I talk to you. And it's one of those things, man, where I have so much to live for, but you don't realize how much you have to live for because you're so clouded with all of the substance you're putting in your body. Um, that I put him on FaceTime and I was just like, man, I just don't, I don't want to feel, I was so bad, Kevin, where I'd wake up in the morning, man, and I would throw up in the shower, but it would be blood. Ooh. And I had to have a shot and a pain pill the first thing in the morning after I got out of the shower to kind of stay stable mm-hmm. through the day and hide my drinking while working a shoot job you know, to try to stabilize myself while taking pills and everything else I was ingesting in my body. Um, and I, uh, I put them on FaceTime, man. And I just said, I'm tired of being a loser. Honestly, is the best way to put it. And, and I'm not saying if you're an addict, you're a loser. Cause I'm not saying that in any way, shape and form. This is just what I thought in my mind. Right. Um, and I put him on FaceTime, man, and I dumped out all the pills, man. And I had a, I had a sock drawer full of pills, bud. I, I looked like a damn pharmacy. Um, and I dumped out all the alcohol in my, in my, in my place, man. And I, uh, I detoxed. And I just told him, please do me a favor, man. Check on me every single day. Please. I just beg you, check on me every single day. And I called in my work and I said, hey, I need to take some time off. I'm going through some and they said, we know and take as much time as you need. And um, I detoxed. And that was six and a half years ago today, man. And I guess it's, uh, and when you think back about that moment, it's scary to think if that phone call hadn't come in, how things may have turned out. I wouldn't be sitting here with you, Kevin, honestly. Yeah. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be in ring of honor. I wouldn't be sitting here. I wouldn't be, you know, having this conversation with anybody because I wouldn't be here. And I said in my interview before, I'm not, you know, on my sit down, man, I'm not supposed to be here. Everybody wrote me off because I was a drug addict and an alcoholic. Everybody wrote me off, but well, there's a will, there's a way. And if you want something, go out there. And I, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on this damn thing. But if you want something bad enough, nothing will stop you to get there. Right. And you, when you talk about everybody writing you off, at that point, you had written yourself off. Yes. And, and that's why, you know, it was so fortunate and serendipitous maybe uh, that that phone call came in when it did um, and got you, got you back on the right path. You mentioned the addiction to pills. Now that had come out of, I mean, you, you said you, you started drinking like maybe when you were 13 years old and yeah. quickly, you know, that spiraled out of control. The pills, if I remember your story correctly, came out of suffering a back injury in a wrestling match. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, man. I was, uh, I was already having kind of a little bit of back pain from uh, wrestling so much and not properly stretching. It's funny, you know, when you get older, you know, you have to stretch, go figure. Um, and I went to go pick a guy up and all of a sudden I lost feeling in my left leg and I went, Oh boy. And the guy was very, very, uh, see, I don't want to break like kids, a here. 
That's um, okay. The, oh, okay. Um, the guy was very green. Yeah. And I told him in the match, like, hey, I lost, you know, feeling in my left leg. And he's like, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, f- keep going. Let's go, you know? And uh, I went to go pick him up. I used to use the pump handle slam as my finish. And I went to go pick him up, and he went up so heavy. I felt my back, the two discs in my back go, my back go pop, pop. And I barely stopped myself from dropping him on his head mm. from the rotation of me slamming him. And I grabbed, you know, I couldn't get out of the ring. I, I needed help to get out of the ring. And it was some local show about an hour from my house. And I sat there and I was just like, man, like I need, I need help. Um, they were getting ready to call the ambulance. And I was just like, no, no, no. Then they just kind of sit here. And at that time, I, I lost feeling completely in my left leg. Completely. And I'm like, let me just get home. I'm only an hour away. I can, I get stuff. I get suffer through this. Let me just get home. So I got help to the car and I got in the car and I drove, you know, an hour to where I, you know, to my house. And, um, my ex-wife at the time, you know, not my ex-wife at the time, my wife at the time, excuse me. Um, I call her and I wake her up and it was maybe about two in the morning. I call her and I wake her up. And I go, Hey, I can't get out of the car. And she goes, what? And I was like, I can't get out of the car. And she's like, if you can't get out of the car, I'm taking your ass to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I can't, you know, I couldn't even move to get into the passenger seat hmm. so she can drive because I was completely locked up. And she uh, drove to the hospital and uh, the, the doc pretty much told me, man, hey, you need to stop. Like, and they wouldn't touch, they wouldn't touch me to help me get out of the car, Kevin. My ex-wife literally picked me up and I used all of my upper body weight as uh, upper body strength as I could to help her to get me into the wheelchair to wheel me into the hospital because they didn't want liability for touching me because I haven't signed any paperwork yet. Right. Um, Bless her heart, by the way. Um, So she wheeled me in the doc goes, they take the, they do all the tests and the MRIs and stuff like that. And he's just like, man, you need to stop wrestling, dude. You're, you are done. And I'm like, done. I just, I just, I just started. Like I'm maybe, I'm maybe six or seven months in Kevin. Like I'm, I'm, I'm fresh, man. I'm green. And, uh, he goes, here's some, uh, here's some, some Norcos, man. And, uh, which I didn't know they were Norcos at the time. I didn't, you know, I know that they're Norcos now. Um, he kind of threw me a script for some pain pills and off to the races that was. Right. And then I just started getting them from a guy at work and then just kind of snowballed from there. And then, you know, my ex-wife's leaving me and, uh, cause I'm too busy partying and not being a, you know, a good person and, you know, everything just kind of snowballed Kev, honestly. Right snowballed and spiraled out of control. And, and that's where we got to the point we uh, alluded to right before that was hitting rock bottom and then getting that phone call and, uh, and turning things around. And as you said, you turned them around, you, you started to turn around immediately during that phone call by getting rid of the, uh, the drugs, getting rid of the alcohol and uh, you know, what they call cold Turkey and going from there. And I don't uh, ever suggest doing that. Yeah. It's the most dangerous thing you can do I, I I have no idea how I survived that. I really don't. 
<laughs> to be honest, Kevin, I have no idea how I survived that because th- some of those nights were some of the most brutal. Some of those days, man, and nights were some of the most brutal that I've ever dealt with. And every time I think about getting loaded or drinking or anything like that, I think about how bad I felt. Yeah. Yeah. I had a good friend who, uh, who went through the, the withdrawal, tried the same thing, the, the cold Turkey. And, um, I heard the horror story. So I know I have some idea of what you went through. Yeah. And I, I just don't do it right, man. Go get help. If you feel like you need to get help, please go get help. You're not alone out there. Please go get help. Because the world, the world, there's a reason why you're put on this planet. There really is, Kevin. And you're just, your mind is so jumbled from all the stuff you're ingesting. Once you get that clear mind, man, it's a, you could do amazing things. You really can. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you are living proof of that. And that's why, as you said, we're having this conversation today. Uh, things could have turned out very differently for you. And, uh, and we're all glad that... Uh, we're all glad in Ring of Honor, everybody that knows you, we are glad that you are here and that we are having this conversation. And at the future, one time it looked like you had no future. I know it looked that way to yourself, and now the future is incredibly bright. And I want to pick up uh, with the rest of your story with after you decided to turn things around. We'll pick up with that right after this break. I'm Quinn McKay, the host of Ring of Honor's weekly YouTube show, Week by Week. Join me every Tuesday for brand new episodes as we catch up on all of the groundbreaking ROH news and get exclusive comments from some of your favorite ROH stars. We also have some great weekly segments like Question of the Week, This Day in History, and Brian Zane's Top 5. Join me every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on social media and youtube.com slash ring of honor for Week by Week. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Sledge, the Metalhead Maniac. Uh, he just had his first official match uh, in Ring of Honor on the uh, ROH Week by Week show last week. It's out there on YouTube if you want to catch it. Uh, we wrestled O'Shea Edwards on that show. Uh, so let's go back now to the aftermath of the phone call that changes your life, that saves your life. You decide you want to rededicate yourself to making it in pro wrestling. Uh, one of the first things you do at this point is transform your body, right? You lost, I believe you said that you had lost 140 pounds and then put on an, an additional, you put on 30 pounds of muscle after that. Is that correct? Yeah, right? yeah somewhere in the ballpark, yeah. Okay. Give, you know, give or take here, here a few pounds, depending, like I said, what day it is. Um, because all I did was trade one addiction in for another addiction, man. I traded my alcohol and drug addiction in for a food addiction. I'm a, you know, I'm a fat kid at heart. I love to eat. Who doesn't love to eat? Honestly, you know, and I was just ingesting bad food. I was still in that depressed mindset. So all I did was get rid of the alcohol and just start ingesting food. And then I was wrestling maybe once a month if I'm lucky. And then I'm, I'm watching on TV and I'm watching, you know, Lucha Underground and I'm watching a lot of guys like, you know, Jeff Cobb and, and, you know, guys that I know from the independent scene getting swooped up. And yeah. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, if I wasn't a drug addict and I wasn't a, you know, a, a ball that I am now, I could, be there i could do that i believed that i could be there so uh you got to have a good support system man 
bottom line, and I have a very, very good support system here on the home front. And it was one of those things where it's like, if this is what you want to do, go do it. We got your back. Go. We know you're good enough. Go. And that's where the journey, you know, that's where the journey really happened, where it was just like, I got back in the gym. I started eating right. My buddy, AJ Kirsch, who uh, is just in phenomenal shape, just shredded to the gills, helped me out tremendously, um, made me accountable, which is a big one, is making yourself accountable. And I still struggle with like weight, weight to this day. There's no, you know, 2021 is where I am uh, really transforming myself and really sticking to everything. And I've made that very clear in my mind. This is what you're doing. This is where you are. Because Mike Bennett said it perfect to me, um, which is great. Mike Bennett is like one of my mentors uh, now since meeting him at Ring of Honor um, and him being a recovering addict and us, you know, just having that support system. You know, you can only control two things, man. Control your attitude and the way you look. And, you know, in the wrestling business. And that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm controlling my attitude and the way I look. And it was just one of those things, man, where it was just like, okay. And then once I started shedding the weight and started looking the part, I guess would be the best way to put it. I started putting myself back out there on the indie scene. Really putting myself out there. Hey guys, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm X, Y, and Z clean and sober. You know, I'll just come and, let me come set up the ring. Let me come and do whatever for you. Let me show you that I'm a new human being. And after that, that the, the ball just kind of started rolling a little bit. And, and now here I am at ring of honor. Right. Because at this point you have to rebuild your reputation. Right? Yes. Yes. Very bigly. Yes. Cause no one trusts you. Right. No one trusts you. I'm not sure. I'm sure you can understand. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, I wouldn't have trust myself in the back in the day either, you know. And I and I and I get it. And one cool thing about it was when I was, I still had the love for wrestling. So when I was not, you know, wrestling once a month, is I was throwing my own shows. And and doing a lot of the California, using a lot of the California guys. And then what would happen is is they would see me and all the progress I was making, and then they would get back to the other promoters. Ah, okay. Yes. And then they're like, Oh, okay. He's doing his thing. Okay. He's getting out there. And then right place, right time, Kevin, the Steve Austin podcast hit. And then that was just, that just kind of launched me. So, and, and I know about that. I was good. That's one of the next things I was going to ask you. I know that you did that podcast. I've listened to it. Uh, how did you end up actually getting on the Steve Austin podcast? How, would, how did he become aware of you? He, he had no idea who I was. He <laughs> <laughs> was shaping for who I was. Um, AJ Kirsch, man, my buddy who helped me with the weight loss. We were traveling to a show in Arizona, and he goes, hey, man, on Sunday, I might have to drop you off at like a Starbucks or something. And he's an actor as well. So I'm thinking like he has an audition it's something along the lines there. So I'm just like, yeah, man, that's cool. Drop me off at a Starbucks or like my sister lives in LA. I just hang out with my sister, whatever. It's cool. Next thing I know his phone rings and he goes, and it's Steve Austin. And he's done a lot of stuff with Steve. I mean, he was on tough enough with Steve. Right. Uh, he's done the, you know, the WWE games. He was the voice of buzz in 2k 19 and that's our 2k 18. I think it was. 
And that's what he was going to Steve Austin's house to promote was him being Buzz and doing the, he was the character mode in the game. So uh, Steve Austin comes across this thing and I kind of look at him because he had his phone up on the dash, you know, because you don't, you don't drive in text or drive, have your maps, you know, in your lap or anything like that. He had it up on the dash, safe driver. And it says Steve Austin come across and I look at him and he goes, and he kind of gives me like the wink, you know, like the, you know, and he pushes it and you hear this, Hey kid, what time are you coming over on Sunday? <laughs> and I sit there and I look at him and I go, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he goes and he's like, what time is good for you, Steve? And like, they start rapping about what, what's going on. And then he just asked out of the blue, man, Hey, do you mind if I bring a buddy with me? And he goes, is the buddy in the business? And he goes, yeah, we're on the road right now. And he goes, tell him to kiss my ass. <laughs> And I was, I, dude, I was marking out just because he told me to kiss his ass. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm good. You know? And he goes, hell yeah, kid, bring him along. So, and they hang up the phone. He goes, looks like we're going to Steve Austin's house on Sunday. And I'm like, we're going to 316 Gimmick Street? He goes, 316 Gimmick Street. And I'm like, oh, my Atlanta. So, we get, we do the show. Um, what was cool is Mas Chris Masters was on the show. Carlito was on the show. And me and Chris Masters have a really, really cool relationship. Um, so, and he was very proud of like where I came because he knew me when I was a drug addict to where I am now. So that was really cool. It like just topped off like the whole really cool weekend. And, um, we go over to 317 gimmick street where he does his podcast and he's setting up the podcast and I'm thinking it's just gonna be him and AJ. Like, I'm not, I'm just here. Just, I'm just a fly on the wall. Right. Right. He starts setting up three microphones. And I'm like, why are you sending a microphone for me? You know, he's like, oh, I might shoot you, shoot you a couple questions. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, so they're doing their, their rap thing on the podcast and he turns to me and he starts asking me like a couple personal questions. And we start rapping off air about music, just kind of like me and you did, Kevin, right? Yeah. He's a huge music fan. So we start rapping and then he starts to understand. He's like, Oh, you have a story. You're a recovering addict. You're, you know, okay. You have a story. And he goes, after he's done with AJ, he looked at me, he goes, do you mind if I podcast you? And I look at him, I go, I was so nervous, Kevin. <laughs> of course. So, Who so, wouldn't ner be? so nervous. You could hear it. The first part of the interview of how nervous I am trembling, talking to him. And he goes, and I go, yeah, I would love to. And he podcasted me and I wasn't expecting it to go out. Maybe it was just something he was going to clip together. I had no idea what he was going to do with it. And then I got a text, you know, from Steve. I'm going, um, hey kid, your, 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 uh, your, your episode drops here. <laughs> you know, good luck. And that, that, the minute that dropped, man, I had promoters blowing my phone up. I can imagine. Like my email would not stop. And then it was just off to the races. Every Cali promoter wanted to book me. Every, it was just go time. Boom, 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 boom. Tell me how you end up on Ring of Honor's radar. And you, this is something that you, maybe, maybe you put yourself on their, on their radar. I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. 
uh, something was telling me because Ring of Honor always comes to Las Vegas, and Las Vegas isn't too far from me. It's about six, six and a half hours. I go there quite often, um, which is weird saying that out loud because I don't drink and I don't really gamble. So why do I go to Vegas? The because buffet. The buffets, and I have a lot of friends in Vegas. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I love the people. I love the people watch. I like to watch people's energy. I really do. Anyway, um, I knew Ring of Honor was coming to Samstown for I want to say it was their 17th anniversary show. Yeah, that sounds right. I want to say yes. And something was drawing me there. Something was drawing me there. Something was like, hey, and I had so many opportunities to wrestle that weekend to make money and I turned it down and I flew myself to Las Vegas and uh, a buddy of mine who actually did my entrance music that you guys just heard on Tuesday um, he's done a number of things with Ring of Honor doing extra work and stuff like that and I go hey man like I want to do extra work how do I do this you know and he's like hey man if the trucks are there they're there so be there. So I'm like, oh, okay. Um, what day are they setting up? And he goes, they usually set up on a Thursday. Like, okay. So I flew in on a Wednesday and I went to Samstown at like, cause I'm thinking they're setting up a huge production, which they do. So I'm like, they, they probably start like 6 a.m., 6 or 7 a.m. So I get my butt up. And I go at like 7 a.m. And I'm circling the hotel. And Samstown isn't that big. And I'm circling the hotel. I'm trying to get into the backstage area. <laughs> and I'm trying. And about, I want to say about 9 o'clock, I caught the eye of one of the, um, one of the personnel at Ring of Honor. And he looks at me and goes, what are you doing? And I go, I'm just here to help. I don't care what I got to do. I'm just here to help. And he goes, oh, man, that's awesome. Um, we don't start set up until noon, though. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just kind of eat and hang out. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I ate and I hung out. And the next thing you know, man, I just busted my butt. And um, next day, I kind of got a call time earlier than a lot of people. And I just worked my butt off that weekend. Um, I did everything. I think I was like the last person to leave. And uh, they, uh, they said, hey, man, anytime we're in Vegas, come by. Um, and one of the cool things was, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give them some credit. I'm going to give the credit where the credit's due. Uh, Ryan Ginley, he put me in front of who was the producer at the time. And yep. one of the things was, he goes, you are going to be his right-hand man. He goes, I got the perfect spot for you. You're going to be the, his right-hand man. And he looks at me. The producer looks at me and he goes, what do you want a job or something? <laughs> and I go, I go, yes, sir. He goes, you got anything to send me? And I go, absolutely. And a couple weeks prior to that, I did a seminar with a, uh, a very, very well-known human being called Billy Gunn, you know, and he goes, best way to get a job, man, is to have an eight by 10 and your resume on the back everywhere you go and just keep sending it. Keep bugging them. They say not to bug them, but bug them. Right. I go, I go, okay. So I, the next day, because he asked me for that, the next day I walked in with a resume and my eight by 10 and I handed it to him. And the person he handed it off to was Will Ferrer. 
you know, had to bring up on her dojo coach. Yep. Um, go through the weekend. Didn't expect anything, Kevin, at all. You know, um, I, and about two weeks later, that was March, right? Yep. March, April. We're getting ready to go into the G1. ROH is getting ready to do uh, the Madison Square Garden show. ROH, New Japan. Um, sellout crowd, Madison Square Garden. I get a text saying, hey, are you going to be in New York? And I go, I am. I have a signing and I got, you know, a couple shows to do. Do you want to come to the G1? And I said, hell yeah, I want to come to the G1. And they said, we'll see you there. We'll give you all the info. We'll see you there. Wow. And yeah. And maybe about, I want to say maybe walking into that building, maybe 15 minutes if that. I got the Iggy on the elbow to follow um, the producer at the time uh, to the office, the main talent office. And Will Ferrara was there. Uh, Gary Juster was there. Bully Ray was there. Some other people were there too. Big off, you know, all office pretty much. And they asked me why I haven't been signed yet. What is it? Do you have two left feet? What, <laughs> why are you still available? Right. Um, and I told him I have a little bit of a history. I have a little bit of a, of a backstory. And uh, I kind of laid it out for them. And uh, they offered me the ROH Dojo uh, uh, tryout in May, I want to say it was. So it was March, April. Yep, went home for a month. And then, yeah, May. They said, we want to get you to Baltimore these days. Um, Will will contact you, and uh, we want to invite you to the tryout. And I said, okay. Another step. Here we go. And uh, I don't know if you want me to keep going with the story or not. but Absolutely. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> so I do the G1 and uh, uh, Matt Taven winning the, you know, the heavyweight title in the ladder match, you know, absolutely, you know, fantastic. I mean, the whole show was just, I couldn't even believe I was there. I really couldn't. Um, busted my butt that day too. Um, but it was, it's kind of funny with the G1 um, is they're all union workers. So they're like, don't touch anything. Right. But after the show, they're like, get all your stuff out now. <laughs> you know, it was, it was quite hilarious. So we all had to bust butt to get everything out. It was quite hilarious. Sorry. Um, I get to the tryout. Uh, Will contacts me and we get to the tryout. Uh, I do the two day tryout. And then uh, I'm sitting in the airport, uh, getting ready to fly home. And uh, I get a call and it says, Hey man, you know, we would love you to come to the dojo and we will put you uh, on the ring trucks to kind of keep some money in your pocket. We're not signing you, but um, we'll kind of see where it goes. And, you know, if that's what you want to do, but you have to relocate to Baltimore, Maryland. And at the time I'm living in California. Right. So I went home and I talked to my support system about it. And, you know, they said, Hey, it's an opportunity, man. Go for it. What's the worst that happens? You go out there, you set a time, you set a timeline on it though. You set a timeline on it. If something doesn't happen within a year, maybe it's just not the fit for you. But you'll be over there, so you'll at least be able to make a name for yourself on the East Coast because you'll be able to do the indie bookings over there. And you'll have some connections. And hats off to Matt Taven for getting me in contact with Northeast Wrestling. Um, absolutely fantastic. Um, I did a couple other indies while I was over there as well. I worked for Cheeseburger while I was over there as well. Um, 
And within six months, man, uh, right before the pandemic happened, uh, they offered me a, a, a deal. And I, I signed my first deal March 1st, 2019, 20, 2000. Yeah, it'd be 20, right? Yeah, it'd be 2020. I got to ask you, uh, after that incredibly uh, long and arduous journey and so much that you had been through in the ring, out of the ring, uh, when you actually are sitting there with the contract in front of you and pen in hand, uh, what's going through your head at that point? It was the phone call I got, Kevin. Okay. Uh, from the office saying, hey, man, we want to sign you and this is what we're offering. And that phone call, I, I, you know, I kept it quiet. I really did. I kept it as quiet as humanly possible. Not many people knew that I signed to Ring of Honor until I released a video of me signing. Um, and I had to get the office to clear that video first before I released it. Um, I literally broke down in tears. I did. I was like, I did it. But then I realized right after, right after emotions hit, I realized now the hard work just starts. Yeah. Now you're walking in to the lion's den with a bunch of sharks and you better be ready. Let me, let me go back just a little bit. You mentioned uh, Ryan Ginley. Uh, tell people for, you know, people I'm sure probably don't know who that is. Tell people who Ryan Ginley is in Ring of Honor. Uh, AKA top guy. Yeah, <laughs> I follow him on Twitter. <laughs> uh, to follow him on to, to, uh, at Scumbag Pop. Um, right. I don't really honestly, <laughs> this is going to sound really bad, Kevin. I really honestly don't know what his job title actually is. <laughs> but he is head of pretty much the road crew. Yeah, exactly. Is that his, ring is that his title? I don't know crew? what his official title is. I don't is. know it either, honestly. That's his, that's his job description for sure. But he's head of the road crew. Yeah. And he was the one who originally kind of spotted me was Ginley and Gator. Both of those guys both kind of spotted me. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I'm not a small human being. I'm 6'4". I'm like 240. <laughs> I stick out like a sore thumb, you know. But those guys were both two guys. They're like, oh, man, this guy's busting his ass. He wants to be here. Yeah. Gator, and Gator of course, the, the world-famous cameraman Gator. I mean, he's undefeated pro wrestler, if you ask him. He's undefeated. He yep. is undefeated, you know? So, yeah, Gator. got the eyes of Gator, and, um, and I got the eyes of Ginley. And that was what – Ginley is the one who got me my dojo tryout. Wow. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. You mentioned, you know, you're not easily uh, overlooked when you – you are a physical presence. I remember the first time I went to, a, to, to the dojo, I think for a meeting or something there. And, uh, and I saw you walk by and I was like, who the hell is that? Like, I didn't see <laughs> like, who is, like, I had to like do a double take and like, is that somebody I should know? Is like, is that like somebody from WWE or like, who is this guy? And that's, you know, I asked and they're like, oh, you know, Sledge, he's, he's training and stuff. So yeah, man, you definitely, uh, you walk into a room and, uh, people turn and say, wow, who's that? I get that a lot, man. People I'm sure turn, you do. People turn, people shy away from me so much just because of the way I look. Um, when I walk into like a Walmart or something like that, I, I get scared. I get stared at constantly. It's just, 
it comes with the job, I guess, you know, being, yeah, man, you need, you need to buy your, you know, cereal and milk and bread, just like in toilet paper, just like everybody else, just like anybody else, man. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, I try not to go out as much as I possibly can, especially in a pandemic that we're in. Absolutely. Well, and I wanted to add, and if you do, of course you mask up as we all absolutely do. mask up, use hand sanitizer and make sure you're socially distancing. Exactly. Six feet, six feet. Six feet. Um, I wanted to go back again and ask you one other thing too, was when you mentioned that tryout um, that you had with ring of honor, did you get a sense that you nailed it or how did you feel about it? No. Um, <laughs> because you're in there with, I mean, Dude, there was some guys in that tryout, man. Freddie Ahai was in that tryout. Austin Gunn was in that tryout. Um, who else was there? I mean, they had uh, they had just the kind of the the who's who there of tryout. So I was thinking it was maybe like twenty people, but the minute I walked in, a couple people knew who I was, and which which made me kind of turn my game up just a little bit more. Um. And then I remember cutting a promo. Um, they had us pulled us in for promos. And I remember cutting this promo and I cut the promo at WWE too. And I brought a, I popped a lot of people with it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to kind of go for it again. Um, I did a real generic promo at first and Ian Riccoboni was just like, eh, eh, I think you could do better, bud. And I was like, okay. Um, and I cut this promo, man. And I'm not going to say what the promo was, um, but it gave, it left a lot of people in tears. Okay. Ian Riccoboni stood up and gave me a hug. And um, it was one of those things, man. I'll tell you off air about it. Um, okay. And uh, I, I, I blew everybody away. I, you know, I blew everybody away with it. I really did. Um, and I felt, at that point that I was, I was like, okay, I, I kind of, I got something here. If I can get the whole room. Okay. I, I, I got to be in the least top five right now. Yeah. I at least got to be in the top five, you know? Um, and then I had a great match, you know, uh, to kick off the second day of matches, man. Um, I will never forget the match. It was against Chuckles, the clown. And yeah. Was, yeah. Chuckles was there. And they said five minutes, tell a story. And we went out there, we told a story, man. And we, I think we had a standing ovation afterwards. I think, if I'm not remember correctly, it was a while, it was a while. We had a standing ovation. We got a couple critiques here and there, but they were like, man, that was great. That was awesome. Um, and then kind of, it just kind of snowballed from there, you know? Well, and as you said, you know, you, uh, things go well, you, you, you eventually sign that first contract. And then as um, luck would have it, uh, yeah. a, pan a pandemic hits and, yeah. and everything kind of gets uh, put on hold. Um, and of course, we were all in the same boat at that point as far as, you know, no one knew how long this was going to last or it was all the, the great unknown. Uh, I guess it had to be bittersweet for you, right? Like you've, you finally got this contract in hand you you you've gotten to where you want to be after a struggle to get there and it's like oh uh well let's just hit the pause button yes um i, I always joke about it i was like the world decided to crash when i signed my contract <laughs> because i signed my contract is the reason why the world crashed okay um no one saw this coming no one did 
you know, and one of the biggest things was, is what's so great about ring of honor is during the time of the unknown, they made sure that we were all taken care of. Why many companies were letting people go. They were like, no, you guys are staying, you know? Um, But at the same time is I'm an unknown person on the ring of honor roster. No one knows of me yet. Right. So now I'm I'm sitting for a year dwelling on, well, and I, I guess I can say this. I only signed for a year. They only offered me a year deal. It was, you know, well, my year's coming up here and I haven't really done anything. So those worries start sitting in your mind of, well, I guess they, they might just let me go because no one's seen me yet. No one, I mean, I've done a couple little vignettes here and there that I filmed on my own, um, but no one is really familiar with me. So those, those doubts really start creeping in your mind. Um, are they going to resign me? Are they just going to be like, hey, man, like, good luck. Like, you don't know because the unknown, or are we just going to reopen up in, in a few months and we're all going to go back to work? No one knew. Um, thankfully, you know, the office at ring of honor, you know, is absolutely fantastic. And I just resigned my deal. Um, and now I'm excited. Now I'm excited for the future. But at the same time though, is when I was over in Baltimore, man, cause I didn't have that support system. I went back to eating Kevin and yeah, I was in good, decent physical shape, but I had a couple more pounds that I really wanted on me. So when I got home, uh, because they sent us all home. So they sent me back to California. Um, I took it as a time to reset as well, mentally, physically, emotionally. And I started just dropping weight. I started cutting weight. I started, I had a buddy who had a private gym. So I asked him, you know, Hey, do you mind if I use your gym? He goes, yeah, man, when no one's in there, use it. And I just kind of got back to work. I never stopped working. Honestly, I really didn't. And then I just kind of figured out, the best way to make myself relevant, you know, and I started my Twitch show. You know, so well, that led me right. Of, that, that was my next question was tell me about hey, coffee with Ledge. Look at me with the transitions. Yeah, you're perfect. Like, I don't even have to do anything, man. You're just hitting the record button. All right, bud, go. Um, <laughs> I've had a number amount of Ring of Honor people on my show, which has been absolutely fantastic. Kind of how your show started, Kevin, is it happened out of a pandemic. Exactly. You yep. know, you always try to, I try to do something and I'm just like, man, I got to do something and I got to learn to talk better. I always want to learn to talk better because a part of our business is talking. So I had a buddy a couple of years ago, uh, decide like, Hey man, you should really get on Twitch. This Twitch thing is going to start taking off here in a little bit. And I'm just like, I'm not a gamer. Like I'm not a huge gamer. I am now I'm a huge gamer now. Uh, I was like, man, I, I don't know. I just kind of pushed it off. Yeah, whatever. Nah, you know? And then next thing I know, um, a, a buddy of mine again, cause I was doing, um, I would sit on my porch. I have a back porch and I was sit there drink coffee and do Instagram live. And a buddy shot me a message. He goes, hey, man, you should really do this on Twitch. And I was like, man, you're the second person again. And once again, if the door opens the second time, you should go through it. So I just kind of went through it. I 
you know, unfortunately invested in a bunch of money into my Twitch streams and uh, coffee with sledge was born. And I do love drinking coffee. Uh, I'm drinking a cup right now. <laughs> Boom. It was off to the races. We were, and it was very slow going, very slow going. But once I started getting like the bigger, you know, the bigger names, like I've had Jay lethal, I've Ange- Angelina love. Um, I've had Dak Draper who was just on your podcast. Um, I've had, you know, a number amount of people, and it's a very motivational podcast. Um, and I just try to uplift people as much as I possibly can now. And that's just kind of where coffee was sludged. And now I just sit on there and play games sometimes. I just, you know, I'll just sit here and, and stream video games, you know, on a Saturday. Or um, I'll sit here and talk with people. You know, my community on Twitch is amazing. Twitch.tv slash sludge805. Come join. So let me wrap up this part of the interview with, uh, a question uh, about goals, and I want to ask it two-parter. Do you, have you set short-term goals for yourself as far as what you want to accomplish in Ring of Honor, maybe this year, for instance? And then have you also looked ahead to long-term, like where you want to be in the future? Yes, uh, short-term, yeah, yes and yes. Um, it, it, I'm a very goal oriented person and I don't really let people stand in the way of my goals. So my goals of this 2021 year is to be as relevant as possible with ring of honor to get my face out there as much as I possibly can with ring of honor. So the audience at home knows who I am and then moving forward, uh, and this is going to sound cocky, and I'm sorry if it does, but be the biggest thing in Ring of Honor. Well, hey, I think that should be everybody. Every talent should have that uh, have that goal. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's there's a couple top dogs there, man, and uh, I believe that you know sooner or later I will be up there with them. Well, if you don't believe it, nobody else will, right? Yeah, damn right. All right. Well, we are going to take our final break, and then when we come back, we're going to play ten questions with Sledge right after this. Experience the show that's thrilling critics and fans. ROH TV. The reviews are in. It's completely different than anything in pro wrestling. I enjoyed every minute of this show. ROH TV delivers. Valiant Saint Raves. Take my money. This was awesome. Join the ROH stars for the hashtag WatchROH Watch Party every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. How do I watch ROH TV? Start by visiting ROHWrestling.com and using our zip code lookup tool to find your local listings. We aren't in your area? Don't worry. You can catch us on digital channels such as Stadium and Stir City as well as Fight.tv. ROH TV also airs every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on Best on the Planet, our newly launched 24-7 streaming channel, which is available on Stir and Plex. The newest episode of ROH TV is always free on ROHWrestling.com and the Ring of Honor app. Ring of Honor has never been easier to watch. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is the metalhead maniac, Sledge. It is time to play 10 questions. Sledge, are you ready? I'm ready. And it is now time for 10 questions with Kevin. All right, question number one. What's something on your bucket list? 
Ring of Honor World Champion. That's a good one. Question number two. What's a subject you'd like to know more about? Video and audio, audio editing. Okay, that comes in. That'll come in handy. The yeah. More, uh, the more the media, the more coffee with sledge uh, like things that you do. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm learning it. So the more I learn, like I'm really interested in in, in editing and video editing and audio editing and definitely want to learn more about that all right question number three this is an animal uh this is an animal question are you a dog person a cat person both or neither i'm a huge dog person i have you no know, i knew that about, i could see that about you. I, you you don't seem like a cat person to me i don't mind cats i really don't but i have two rescues um that i love to absolute de- death if you look at my instagram story they're always on my instagram story and what, what kind of dogs? Uh, I have a blue nose bulldog pit bull mix and an American Kelpie. Okay. Again, I you know, not to stereotype, but I just I something told me you had a pit bull. I just I just had a, <laughs> I just had a feeling. He actually wasn't mine. It was my roommate's. Okay. And I fell in love with the dog and then I took over the place that we that I live in now. And I said the dog's staying. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's gonna argue with you he didn't he didn't argue he's like yeah i really don't have a place for him so yeah man if you want to adopt him go for it and i was like oh yeah because he just something about him he just gravitated towards me um he would i'm the only one like when i lay on the couch that he will come and lay on my legs you won't do that with anybody else he will come lay on my legs you bonded that's cool yeah all right question number four who is your celebrity crush and if you don't want to say who it is now, maybe growing up. Oh, no, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Jennifer right. Aniston. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Her and friends? Yeah. Brother. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then now her being, I don't know how old she is. She's got to be in her 50s. Maybe, maybe early 60s. Still looks phenomenal. I don't think Phen- she's 60 yet. But I, don't think she, I don't think she's 60 either. No, she's on the other side of 50. Yeah, but my Lanta, she did this like workout commercial. That's aired on my TV every some you know once in a while, and I'm like, dang girl, you still got it going on for being however old you are. All right, question number five. Got to slip a uh, a rock music question in here. Greatest front man of all time. Oh, I think we talked to him. I think we talked about him earlier on the podcast. We got to go, Ronnie, Ronnie James Dio, man. Oh, okay. We got to go, Dio. Who, who's your who's yours uh you know i'm gonna have to go i hate you know my first reaction would be paul stanley of right right man it's hard to go against david lee roth it is very hard to go against david lee roth you're just right from a showman I'm, I'm not the greatest singer in the world we know that but just from a showmanship standpoint yeah. and and my underrated one Janie lane from warren as i said earlier very under yeah. underrated frontman and songwriter very, very, very underrated. Man, this isn't this turned into a music podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number six. What is your guilty pleasure? Something that you like that maybe you wouldn't want to admit that you like. <sighs> Something I like that I'm don't really like to admit that I like. 
Um, that's a that's a that's a tough question because I'm very open. Okay. Um, one of my favorite chick flicks. <laughs> I say this is they're like what the hell? Uh, Sweet Home Alabama. I, I love that movie. I don't know why I do. I just do. It's just such a great. It's a good story. Well, it's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Just the fact that you like any chick flick, I think that would qualify as a guilty pleasure. But or maybe not. You know, or like you said, you're open and uh, who cares? You know, yeah, you're sledge. You're you're comfortable with yourself. So I'm, I am very. I, you know, I'm getting comfortable with myself. I don't want to say I'm fully comfortable, but I'm getting there. Yeah. But yeah. See, I thought you might have said like a guilty pleasure was that you like. You know, you secretly like boy bands in addition to metal. No. No. Okay. Yeah, me neither. All right. Question number. <laughs> Question number seven: uh, Who would who would play Sledge in in Sledge's life story? What actor would play you? Uh, I've actually answered this question before. Really? Um, yeah, I have, and it would be uh, Dave Bautista. I could see it. Yeah, I can totally see it. Yeah. All right. Question number eight: uh, What's something that's popular that you don't see the appeal of? Are we shooting here or? Oh, we're shooting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, putting each over, uh, putting each other over on Twitter. <laughs> there is a lot of that. You know, uh, I don't, I don't really understand it. Um, so, you know, just putting, you know, putting each other over on Twitter and then burying, you know, somebody else. I, I don't understand it. I really don't. Um, and just burying people, period. I, I don't understand. I really don't. Um, we're all in this together and social media sucks sometimes because you can really destroy somebody's mental state um, with just a wrong comment. You really can. So please guys, just be careful with social media. It's so true. I mean, we've, we've certainly seen it happen. We've seen it happen in this business and, and, uh, and, and in others. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you bury someone probably says more about the person doing the burying uh, than the person that they are burying. So, I, I agree. I agree. All right. Question number nine. Uh, do you have a favorite sports team? Uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering, you know, growing up in the California area, I didn't know if it was, uh, you know, Rams, Dodgers, Lakers, any of those teams. Uh, no, I, I'm not a huge basketball fan. Okay. I mean, I watch the playoffs when, uh, when they're on. Uh, uh, LA Kings. I love the Kings. Um, I love the, you know, they used to be the Oakland Raiders, but now they're the Las Vegas Raiders, which gives me another reason to go to Las Vegas. Right. Um, which I'm going to try to grab one of the Briscoes, you know, because he's got the, you know, the Raider on his chest, you know, and I know he's a, you know, I know he's a Raider fan. So maybe we'll, uh, bond somehow and go to a Raider game when the world opens. Yeah. Jay's, Jay's talking Jay's, about his love of the Raiders on the podcast. Yep. Yeah, man. So I would love me and Jay to go to a Raider game next time we're all in Vegas. Uh, Quote me on that, Jay. Let's do that. Um, especially that new stadium is oh, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, that's about it. I'm not a real, not a you know, West Ham United for uh, you know uh, football, uh, UK football. Yeah, that's not football. That's soccer. Yeah, yeah. I see. It. There's that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, you so, lost me on like we've got a lot in common: wrestling, metal. Yep. You lost me on the on the soccer. I, I love I I don't know man I love soccer I well you know football so yeah okay 
right. Well, we can't agree on everything. We can't agree on everything. All right. Question number 10, our final question. Uh, this is a thinker. Uh, what's the best advice that you were ever given about the wrestling business? And if you can remember, who gave you the advice? I have two. Okay. Is that okay? Sure. Cool. Um, you can't go back there and change it. So learn from it and move on. And uh, that was David Heath, Gangrel. Sure. Okay. Um, told me that after I messed up a spot with him <laughs> badly. Um, and then uh, Mike Bennett. You know, uh, control your attitude and control your look. Everything else, you know, is, you know, those are the only two you can control, you know, so just control those. Good advice on both parts, I would say. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, I, I really appreciate uh, you giving me so much of your time today, and I enjoyed this uh, conversation immensely. Uh, as I've said, you have a uh, an unbelievable uh, well, I shouldn't say unbelievable. It's a, it's just a, it's a inspiring story. Um, you've come through a lot to get to where you are and, uh, man, I'm very happy for your success to this point. I know it's just the beginning. Uh, once again, I'll tell people if you haven't seen the match between, uh, Sledge and O'Shea Edwards, it's on YouTube, go back and watch it. It's on, uh, ROH week by week. It debuted, uh, February 9th. So, uh, go check that out. But, uh, man, I love talking music with you. I love talking wrestling. And uh, one of these days, hopefully, uh, we'll be at a show together again with fans and everything. Wouldn't that be something? That would be something, man. I, I can't wait. I really can't. So, and I would love to sit down and do it again with you. you Absolutely. Know? It, was a great, it was a great time. Sounds good, man. Again, thank you so much. And I want to thank everybody out there for listening. And remember, a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked on ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, check out my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin Eck saying, stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.